The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Movies time. Ro McDermott, movies editor of Hot Press, is with us. And Ro, there's an enormous amount of anticipation and big reviews for Killers of the Flower Moon. The new Martin Scorsese movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And I believe that you are, well, over underwhelmed by it or maybe suggest overwhelmed by the length of the movie. I thought you were going to say there's an enormous runtime and I'm going to own my personal bias. I have sciatica at the moment. Sitting is very painful. So sitting through a 206 minute movie was always going to put me in a bad mood no matter how good it is. No, but it is very good. I just think someone needs to sit and Marty down and I mean, they mightn't. He's getting on and just say pacing, just a little bit of editing. Hold on, you do know this is the shortened version. There's a director's cut that's about four and a half hours long. And it's about four minutes shorter than The Irishman, so maybe I should be grateful. No, this is very good, it, but it is based on David Gann's incredible page-turning book, which you could probably read in less time than it takes to watch the movie, which is about this audacious 1920s conspiracy to steal resources by from the Osage people by murder. In the book, there's a lot more about the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover and how the FBI used this case to kind of establish their place in American law enforcement, but typically of Martin Scorsese, he takes the criminals view of this. This is not a white saviour story. This is about the men who plotted against the Osage people. So it takes place in the 1920s, but he actually starts with uh, a beautiful tribal scene because the Osage people are being displaced by the American government from their ancestral homelands and they're being placed in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. So there's kind of this beautiful ritual scene where they say, our kids will not grow up the way we did. They will not speak our language. They will not know our lands. So we really immediately have this idea of the systemic violence against the Osage people. But when they move to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, they become absolutely rich almost overnight because it turns out the lands they were moved to were lush with oil and there's this kind of incredible there will be blood scene of uh, oil spurting from the lands so almost overnight they become incredibly wealthy but of course with that wealth made them very vulnerable for exploitation and so many people were willing to exploit them and there's a really interesting part at the start where old, old newsreels show footage of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre which was also white supremacists fighting against minorities who became wealthy and really fighting against them. But in the midst of this... So this is an incredible story to work off. Oh, absolutely. It's so rich. And what he does, what Martin Scorsese does, is he focuses on a few characters at hand. And one of Ernest Bockhart, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who is a World War One veteran, but he comes back and he meets his uncle, played by Robert De Niro, uh, who's called William King Hale. He has crowned himself the king. This is not a nickname anyone else gave him. Uh, but he's kind of bumbling. He's not particularly bright. We don't get the sense that he's seen a lot of battle. He kind of defensively says things like, I can read. So you get the sense that he's not incredibly smart. But William King Hale recognises that he's a generally a good-looking man and starts poking around and saying, oh, would you be open to dating an Osage woman? Because King Hale wants more of the land and his plan is to use his nephew to get in with Molly uh, who is played by Lily Gladstone who is an Osage woman with a lot of money and his plan is to get him in with her so the money will start eventually flowing to the family. We have a clip in which DiCaprio chauffeurs Lily Gladstone who plays Molly Kyle around. He told me he was, he was going with Matt Williams for a time. You talk too much. No, I don't talk too much. Just thinking who I got to beat in this horse race, that's all. I didn't realize this was a race. I don't care for watching horses. Well, I'm 
I'm a different kind of horse. Hong Kashi. Shomikasi she koshi ajmi. What was that? Shomikasi. That's how you are. I don't know what you said, but it must have been Indian for handsome devil. <laughs> <laughs> You can hear the brilliant Molly Kyle there, who is so brilliant as Molly, who recognises that Ernest is probably after her money, but also thinks he's good looking, he's harmless, he might make her happy. So they get married. But when they do, her relatives start dying off of mysterious circumstances. There's a wasting disease. Uh, there's someone else starts getting sick. There's a murder. And Scorsese has started at the start of the film. He's also rushed through about a dozen murders that went uninvestigated uh, of various Osage people because people just didn't care. The authorities did not care to investigate these murders even though they were happening. So then Scorsese gets into this really twisted relationship between Ernest and his uncle and the machinations that happen that are plotting to take the Osage's money and do not care about how many Osage people, but particularly Osage women, that they have to kill. And Scorsese really wants us to make aware and feel aware of the violence, so it's bloody, there are skulls, there are body parts, it's really vicious and in between there are these lengthy dramatic scenes where you get to see Ernest living a genuinely happy life with Molly while also conspiring behind her back um, but a lot of it is about the systemic violence as well there are tribal scenes where tribes tribes members are saying people are going missing and nobody cares the authorities don't care they hire private investigators who then take their money and go away or things happen to them and it's about the neglect and how nobody noticed and nobody cared that osage women were being systemically murdered this is going to be on netflix soon but is this something you should see in the cinema first I mean, bring, back, a cushion, up to bring a cushion. No, it's excellent. I do think it needs to be tightened up. Um, and I think it actually would have made such an incredible mini series because there are so many deaths, there are so many cliffhangers, there are so many big plot points that I think having moments to breathe and linger in the mystery and the suspense would have actually made it incredibly effective. But it is brilliant. I will say, I was saw, I found the visual slightly flat. There are some gorgeous, stunning scenes of vistas and oil and fire, um, but some of it felt a little flat. But the performances are great. Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't often go this dark and it's incredibly good to see but Robert De Niro, he's so conniving and smarmy and really acts like he's a friend of the Osage people but to see how underhand he is and how connected he is and again just the systemic violence, it's incredibly Is this going to be the biggest contender against Oppenheimer in the Oscars? I definitely think so. I think Robert De Niro Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be up there again. Definitely I think Molly King uh, um, Lily Gladstone playing Molly Molly might be up for one as well. Um, I think the coda is really interesting. There's a really interesting point being made about how true crime really focuses on the death of women and uh, often white women but in this of indigenous women and the difficulty of Martin Scorsese being a white man making the story but he addresses in a really interesting way. So yes, absolutely worth seeing. Just take a bathroom break before. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely going to go and see that. Uh, what about the movie with Sir Ronan and Paul Meskel? Faux. Never before has a film had so many perfect ingredients and failed to make a masterpiece out oh. of it. It's set in nine, it, 2065, so set in not too distant future, and it's a muddled dystopian sci-fi. So Sir Sharon and Paul Mescal play a married couple. They seem to be the only people living in this Midwestern landscape. Um, Do they have Irish accents in it? They No, they have American accents that are 
most of the time very good. Um, but they take place, they live in this old uh, country house that's been in the family for generations. And while it's set in the future, it feels quite old fashioned. But it's such a quiet story and it opens and we are aware that this married couple are experiencing discontent. It opens with Saoirse Ronan's character, Hen, crying in the shower and an inner monologue saying, he doesn't see me anymore. And you view them going about their day-to-day routine. Paul Meskell's character, Junior, works in a chicken factory. Hen uh, works in a diner occasionally. I'm not sure who the people she's serving are. But they dance around each other and they're really disconnected. And you just get the sense that they've been left behind, essentially. But one night, a government official, Terence, played by Aaron Pierre, who's very charming, appears on their doorstep out of nowhere with a kind of shocking announcement that uh, the government are planning uh, to send people on a trial run to a space colony to see how people would survive because Earth is being damaged by climate change. We're not going to survive here any longer. And they need a random selection of people to see how we would fare. And Junior has been selected and he's going to be sent away for two years. But it's not going to happen for a year. And in between, Terence is going to speak to the couple. He's going to prepare them. And there's also the possibility that Saoirse Ronan could be kept company by an AI replicant of her husband. And they have to make the decision of whether or not she wants to. So you have all these incredible elements. You have this weird story of a a really intense marriage. You have uh, an AI futuristic dystopia that's kind of taking place in the background. So it's really focused on the relationship. But the script is both underwritten and over-explained. And so it leaves Saoirse Ronan and Paul Meskell with no choice but to overact a lot to try and view some emotion and some tension into these scenes where not much is said and not much is happening. And it gets the mix of there's a mystery but some things are overly telegraphed, some things are not explained well enough. And it just feels muddled. There are glorious moments within this. Both actors are incredibly accomplished. Um, And even the presence of Terence, who's played by Aaron Pierre, brings another element to it. But just unfortunately, it doesn't quite work. Very disappointing. Oh, on that note, we'll have to finish. Mm-hmm. Rohan McDermott, Movies Editor of Hot Press, thank you so much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.